Welcome to Marin Costello Radio, where we have intentional conversations with impactful people. Your weekly dose of motivation, inspiration, and entrepreneurship. Join me as we explore the ins and outs of building and running a business, interview leaders across all industries, and find the common denominator beneath it all. Welcome to Marin Costello Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, we have such a cool guest on the show today. Rachel Blank is the founder and CEO of Alara, a new virtual care model designed to meet the unique needs of women living with complex chronic conditions. Alara is starting with a collaborative chronic treatment model for the one in 10 women with polycystic ovary syndrome, PCOS. Prior to founding Alara, Rachel was the director of strategy at Roe and is a graduate of Harvard, Harvard Business School. No big deal. Rachel, thank you so much for being on the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. For those who are listening, um, you should know that Rachel is decked out in the Shop Marin Costello collection looking so fabulous, so fabulous. And for those watching on YouTube, you guys can see Rachel in all her glory, blinging in the line. How are you? How's your day? I am doing great. Loving my new jewelry. So thank you. Um, so cute, welcome. but yeah, doing well. Super excited to chat with you. I know. Likewise, I'm so impressed by you just as a human, but also for the work that you're doing, it's really, um, making a difference and, you know, it's unlike a lot of products where, and sometimes it takes a little bit of time to see your, the effect on folks, whether it be a service or a product from like, you know, conception to, um, actually rolling out the product itself. I mean, you're in this industry where you speak to someone and you can affect them immediately. That yeah. is like, that is such a cool place to be in as a founder, I imagine. Yes. I mean, that's, that's why I love working in healthcare. I think if we think about, you know, obviously there's so many things that impacted person's day to day life, but think about just the base need, your base need at the end of the day is really your health. If your health is not in a good place, um, nothing else can really be good. And it's hard to appreciate anything else in your life. So I must view it as health in so many ways is, is kind of the the base of your identity, the base of who you are, the base of how we make sure that you have this great, beautiful life. Um, and so to be able to impact, um, women who otherwise can have such a hard time finding, um, finding the healthcare that they need and and getting their health to the place that they deserve it to be is such an incredible, um, gift that I get to be able to do every day. Doing God's work. I love this. Um, your resume is so impressive and you are such a force to be reckoned with, but I want to go back to the early years. Can you tell us about little Rachel? (laughs) Yes. So ironically, um, when I was younger, I was the shyest kid in the whole world. Um, so my parents were like, what the heck happened? Should we maybe, you know, make you a little quieter <laughs> like you used to be? Um, we kind of miss those days. Um, but, um, I think, you know, for me, um, one of the biggest impacts I had was my family and my parents. And my dad actually is a gynecologist. Um, he runs a practice in the DC area. And so I grew up literally, you know, seeing the impact that he had every day, we would go out to dinner and run into his patients and they would show us the children that he delivered, or, you know, we would run into women who were his patients are just so excited to see him because he truly made such an impact on them. And that in return had such an impact on me of seeing, you know, if you devote yourself to people's health, um, you actually can have such a massive impact. And so I think I always was, um, was always inspired by him. And so, um, 
found myself eventually going to the family business in healthcare and in women's healthcare in particular so much because of my dad's influence on me as a kid. Um, but yes, um, and then I think the other thing for me was I have a massive, massive family. So you learn very quickly when you have a massive family that you have to kind of fight your way through it, make your way, and you don't have that option to be quiet and shy anymore. So um, in so many ways, I feel like who I am today, both in terms of the work I'm doing and in terms of my personality are because of the family, um, that massive family that I had growing up. So entrepreneurship is in your blood. Healthcare is in your blood, specifically women's healthcare is in your blood. At what point were you like, I want to do a version, my version of all these things that I was brought up with? You know, I think it took me a bit to get there. Um, so as I mentioned, I was very close to my dad um, and ended up going down the business route. So what I think a lot of times we miss is that if you're a doctor who runs your own practice, you have to not only be a doctor, but you also have to be essentially a CEO in a way that you were never trained or equipped to being. And so I think seeing that and seeing kind of those gaps um, made me want to go down the business route. So I ended up um, going to business school. And when I graduated, had this really exciting opportunity to, to join a digital health startup and really kind of got to see for the first time how my interest in business and startups could merge with this interest that I had always had in healthcare. Um, and so started working for the digital health startup um, row and had, you know, the most incredible experience there and really saw what an impact digital health could have in terms of expanding access to care. So as you think about women's healthcare in particular, you know, one of the big issues is that there isn't always an access to expert care. Um, you know, if we think about, for example, reproductive endocrinologists who tend to be experts in conditions like polycystic ovary syndrome, like endometriosis, um, there are only 1,300 of them in the United States, and they tend to be concentrated in cities. Um, and so if you're a woman in you know, more rural areas, um, it's really hard for you to get access to that expert care. Whereas what I got to see in the past few years was that digital health and telehealth can actually expand access to millions of women across the country, even if you aren't in a physical location. I mean, it really is this great kind of equalizer in healthcare. And so got really excited over the past few years about the opportunity for telehealth um, to really scale access to quality care. And this all intersected with my own personal health journey. So um, about 10 years ago, I was diagnosed with polycystic ovary syndrome, actually was diagnosed as a total fluke, um, was researching stomach issues that I had, and they ended up doing an ultrasound. And the ultrasound text said, did you know you have PCOS? Your ovaries are covered in cysts. And I said, I don't even know what that is. What are you talking about? Um, and it was kind of this crazy moment of you know, for years I had experienced all these symptoms and I never even thought to ask any questions. I never even thought, you know, the question, I just thought, I think, and a lot of women think this, you know, as a woman, fine. So your periods are regular. So you have really bad cramps. So, you know, crazy things happen once a month. That's just part of being a woman. Um, and in reality, it's really not like, we really need to do a better job of asking the questions and leveling things up to our doctors. Um, and so I was diagnosed with PCOS kind of as a shock. And for 10 years, never got great medical care, which again, keep in mind, my dad is a gynecologist. I could go to literally any doctor I want to go to. Um, and yet I didn't even know where to go because treatment for these types of conditions really doesn't exist. And I found myself for years, you know, I would go to a new doctor. They would say things like, well, you don't look like you have PCOS. So we're going to rerun all the tests. Sure enough, the test would all show. Yes, indeed, I have this condition I told you that I have. Um, I got to the point where I turned 30 a couple um, a year ago and started to think about freezing my eggs. And again, didn't really know where to go, didn't know what to do. And um, actually found myself on Reddit researching my health condition and just got to this point of, 
okay, this is ridiculous that women are researching their health on places like Reddit. And so that was really this aha moment for me of, I have this amazing, unique opportunity to take everything I've learned, you know, between my personal experience as a patient with PCOS, um, as the daughter of a gynecologist, and also my professional experience working in digital health, I have this very unique opportunity to build something better for women like me. And um, that was really the light bulb moment for me was I almost have responsibility to build something better. And so that was how I ended up starting Alara, um, really with the vision being to serve the millions of women like me who are struggling with a chronic disease like PCOS, but didn't have anywhere to go. I, one of the things that you and I talked about when we first connected was that, yes, Alara is an amazing resource for women's health, specifically that of the nether regions. However, women's health is holistic. It is in fact holistic. So just because it's not necessarily, you know, a chronic illness that has to do with one's womb, right? Which is very important because that's what makes us unique in that regard. But everything's connected and it is very much a holistic platform. So can you speak to how the platform really takes into account so many different facets of the body and, and not only looks at it from, you know, a diagnosis perspective, but also from an approach from the very beginning, it seems to be a very, very holistic platform. Yeah, that's, you know, I think exactly what you're saying is, is so true. Um, I think so much of the issue in women's healthcare is that in, in healthcare in general, is that we're almost viewing it as a collection of different body parts that don't talk to each other. When in reality, your health is so connected and it's so connected, you know, not just the medical side of things, but also your sleep and your stress and your nutrition have such an impact on your health as well. And I think for so long, it was really hard to find a place where you could get everything in one place. right? You go to the doctor and they'll talk to you about medication, but they won't talk to you about diet and supplements, or you'll go to the nutritionist and they can talk to you about diet, but these things are never really connected with each other. When in reality, if we want to have really great patient outcomes, we do need to be looking at you as a whole person. And we do need to be looking at your whole health. Um, So the model that we've adopted at Alara is a collaborative approach to healthcare. So we don't just pair patients with a doctor. um, We also pair them with a registered dietitian and really address your health from a 360 degree view. Um, So with your doctor, they will run extensive lab work for you. They will diagnose you if needed with you know, a condition like PCOS, or they can look at your home, your hormones and see what else is going on. You know, we really want to look at what's the root cause of what's going on for you, as opposed to just what are these symptoms that we're going to treat with a bandaid? Um, we're really trying to get to, you know, what's the root cause? How do we really address it, address it holistically? Um, so we'll look at very extensive lab work. We're also looking at things like okay, we're looking at your hormones, you know, for fertility, but we're also looking at what your insulin levels look like. Are you pre-diabetic? You know, that's a massive impact on your health. What do your cholesterol levels look like? What do your inflammation levels look like? And really getting this well-rounded picture for you. Um, Your doctor can also put you on medication if you want, um, or they can talk to you about alternatives if if you don't want to be on medication. Um, And then The amazing thing about our platform is you're also paired with a dietitian who gets access to all of this. So in the traditional health setting, right, even if you get to work with a dietitian, they often don't get all that medical information and they're not working with your doctors. Whereas behind the scenes, our doctors and our dietitians are actually working together and they're constantly talking about your patient care. Um, And so it's really this very collaborative approach that looks at all of your care needs. And with your dietitian, you're looking at Um, all of those lifestyle factors that can be so important in your health. So they're looking at, you know, what are you eating? Um, Are you getting the right nutrients? Are you getting the right sleep? Are we managing your stress levels? But really looking at this from a very well-rounded holistic perspective. 
Is Alara now what you imagined it to be in the beginning? When you wow. first, when you first thought of this platform, my question is almost like, how did it evolve? Yeah. Um, well, I think, you know, two things. One, I would say we are very much just in the itty bitty beginning baby stages of, of where we want to be. Um, so I started the business in summer of 2020. We started seeing patients in summer of 2021. Um, and so today we have um, a program for one with PCOS, but really that's just, you know, the very small start of where we want to go. Um, our vision is that if you are any woman struggling with a chronic condition, whether that's PCOS, endometriosis, autoimmune disease, uterine fibroids, um, these things that so many women struggle with and get, and yet don't have adequate care around. Um, we really want to be that home base for you in the healthcare system. So we want to be the specialists who are helping you treat that condition and who also are being the quarterback as you need to interact with other providers in the health system. Um, and so that's really the, the big vision for us is how do we really make sure that we have this amazing service for all women with chronic disease and how do we um, move forward the research and the medicine around these diseases? So part of the reason that these diseases are so undertreated is that they're underfunded. Um, there only was about $20 million of research that went to endometriosis last year, even though it's a debilitating condition that affects about 10 million women. Um, and so this unique opportunity that we have is, okay, once we get all these women on the platform that we're serving, how do we use the data that we're gathering to build better outcomes for everybody and to really move forward the science? I almost feel like, all right, if nobody else is going to take this on, if the NIH isn't going to take this on, fine, then we'll take it on ourselves. Um, and so that's really where we hope to be. Um, and I would say for me, the biggest, you know, difference in, in where I started a year and a half ago versus today is we're just getting to see the impact that it has. I think, you know, in a vacuum, um, I was really excited about this idea, but now that we're actually live with patients, actually getting to see the outcomes that we're having is just so meaningful. Um, we've had seven patients get pregnant so far with us. And every time someone gets pregnant, um, it'll, you know, not with their name or anything, but we'll put it in the Slack. Like we have another pregnant patient and everybody just celebrates and gets super excited on the team. Um, because, you know, it just means so much more when there's a real person behind it that you can tie it to and you really see the impact it has on them. Well, I mean, the impact that you're having is life-changing, right? Like this is, these are directly changing the trajectory of people's lives, whether it be pregnancy or, you know, moving towards healing from a chronic illness. I mean, these are big, big, big changes that are happening. I mean, every win is a big win, but I mean, when you can physically affect someone's life and their, their livelihood and their, their quality of life, I mean, that's just, that's so huge. What did you major in school? Um, I, so I've always been a business finance nerd. Um, when I was undergrad, I, uh, majored in finance and accounting. Um, and I know I did have some fun in college, but I was an accounting major. And then I <laughs> MBA, um, a few years ago as well. Amazing. Amazing. So what does your, I feel like you could be a one man or one woman band, one woman show, <laughs> but I imagine that you have, you know, an extensive team behind you because it is a beast to build something like yes. this. What does your team look like? Yes, it is. And I have to say, I'm so thankful for my team. My team is just 
incredible and I could not do it without them. Um, so the way that we think about building out the team is, you know, there are a few different key pieces that we need to build. So one is the technology around what we're building. Um, you know, we have this incredible model where we have multiple, provi- multiple providers coordinating across your care. We're making care accessible across the whole U.S., but that requires a lot of technology investment to really make sure that we can enable all of, our, all of our providers to coordinate, that we can enable all of our providers to really focus on you as a patient and not focus on you know, administrative tasks. Um, so I have a, an amazing head of product um, and a few engineers on my team who really work on how do we create these tools that enable patients and providers to get the most out of their healthcare. Um, we also have um, operations, an operations team um, who really make sure, you know, the wheels keep turning and that everybody gets everything that they need. Um, and we have um, an extensive provider team as well. So in addition to the dietitians and the doctors that we have on the platform, we also have care concierge um, providers. So their role is to really make sure that it's this amazing seamless experience for the patient. So they're kind of like the patient's go-to person. They'll help them figure out, you know, where do I go for labs? Do you accept my insurance? Um, you know, my medication wasn't there. Can you call the pharmacy? They're really there to make it again, this really concierge, um, experience for the patient. Um, and then we also have a marketing team that helps us get the word out. That's awesome. How do you see, your team expanding in the near future? Like, what do you feel as a business, as a businesswoman is your next hire? Yes. So my next big hire is a head of operations. I'm that's, you know, I'm sure, you know, better than anybody as C- as CEO, you end up doing so many things yourself. So, um, I would say it's kind of like, all right, I do the thing myself and then I figure out what I can offload to somebody else. So next big thing is somebody um, who can help offload the operations piece of things that I've been running. Um, but really a lot of what we're hiring for is, is medical providers. Um, so the more patients we're seeing, the more doctors, dietitians that we're adding to the platform. Um, and we just want to make sure that eventually we're able to serve, you know, millions of women across the country. Um, and that requires a lot of physicians and dietitians to do that. Um, and so it's a lot of, um, provider recruiting as well. We've been doing practicing medicine aside, because that obviously is reserved for doctors and folks in the field. I think it is really important. A lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs or are thinking entrepreneur or thinking about being an entrepreneur or, um, you know, early on in their entrepreneur journey or their veterans. And I think it's a very important conversation to have to say, hiring out and delegating is very important, but also learning to do as much as you can as a leader is also invaluable because then you can inform exactly what you want from someone. So that's not to say, I mean, you obviously majored in accounting. I did not. That's not to say I should, you know, attempt to do my books, you know, by myself all the time, but to have some sort of an understanding of it before you offload it will really help inform how successful your business is. A hundred percent. I completely agree with you. I think, you know, there literally is no task in my business that I haven't done at some point. Um, I mean, literally down to being the customer support person, like that was me for a while. And, you know, exactly what you're saying as the founder, as a CEO, you need to understand your business better than anybody. And the only way that you can do that is by truly doing all the roles at some point. Um, And also it just makes you so much better at hiring for that role because you really understand, okay, what do you need out of somebody to do this? Um, And the other thing I love to think about is there literally is no task too small for anybody on my team because I, as a CEO, have done every single task. Like me as CEO has been customer support, has like shipped swag to customers and gone to UPS. So 
I don't feel bad asking anybody on my team to do anything because there's nothing that I wouldn't do myself. And I think that's also really valuable to have on your team. Also, when you drop the ego, it's so, it it also helps, you know, the energy starts from the top, right? So when you, when your team knows that like, you're not above anything and that you've done everything, you know, that you could in building the brand, I think there's also that level of respect. One thing that just kind of popped into my brain, which we essentially do, but I think we'll now formally call it, bring your boss to work day is that I will dabble in and I'll take time to say, okay, what are you doing today? How are you doing this? You know, I don't make pretend to know everything. Um, as far as like systems and how to get things done. I, I tell my staff, Hey, this is how I did it. If you have a better way to do it, take it and run with it. But I like to also see their version of what they're doing. Right. So, you know, we're in our little CEO or my little CEO world and I'm doing my thing, but I will pull myself out and have, you know, a couple hours with, you know, my assistant, with my design intern, with my head of marketing, so that I understand what they're doing and also be involved and show that I care. I also think that it's really important when you delegate, that doesn't mean delegate forever more and never pay attention to them. Those relationships still need to be massaged. Yeah. First of all, I love that. I might steal that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I totally agree. I think, you know, it's your job is to stay in touch with every aspect of your business. And so it's really important that you don't lose sight of that as the CEO. Um, and again, just maintaining that low ego, you know, in my culture on my team, I say that one thing we always hire for is low ego. And I think that's so important as you're building a team is a team that likes working together, a team that, you know, is happy to work together. That's happy to kind of pick up the slack for other teammates is just so important in building out that early culture. Totally. And I think it's, it's interesting too, because in a, with a fashion brand, you know, I'll be in four or five inch heels, but if the trash needs to be taken out, I'll still take out the trash in full, you know, in full attire. Um, there are so many different ways to build a business. Did you choose to go the investor route or are you self-funded? You did. Perfect. I would love for you to speak to that because that is not, that is not the journey that I chose up until this point. And I know that a lot of our listeners want to know about that process. So can you speak to that? Yes. Well, Sam, I'm a little jealous of your journey without investors. Um, it's definitely, there definitely are trade-offs to both. Um, so I, I went the VC backed route for my business. Um, I'd say for two reasons. Well, a few reasons. One is just what I was used to. Um, I had internet a venture capital fund for a couple of summers. I worked at a very high growth venture backed business. Um, you know, right before I started Alara. And so number one, it just was the model that I had seen. And and I felt like I understood it. I think it's very important if you are going to take venture funding that you understand how the model works, that you understand what they're going to be looking for and that you go in kind of eyes wide open about it um, because there are a lot of trade-offs. But I did feel very comfortable that I understood that model. And I also frankly had a lot of relationships in the space Um, because of my work. I, you know, knew a lot of investors. I was able to go to them very early um, to get feedback on my idea, to get, you know, assistance with funding. And so I think that that definitely helped. Um, And then the other reason is just because, you know, my vision of what I want to build is so big and healthcare for better or worse. Like it just requires a lot of investment. It requires a lot of investment in legal fees and hiring the right doctors. Like you just can't cut corners in healthcare or bootstrap in the way you could in other industries. And so um, it just didn't feel like I could build it in a self-funded way. Um, That being said, I think that there are a lot of advantages to self-funding for as long as you can before you raise venture dollars, because you are in so much more control of your own destiny there. You had a background with 
you know, building capital and you understood how that system worked. And yes, one could research that. But if there was someone who was like, I know that I need capital. I know that I want investors. My idea is so amazing. I have a basic um, game plan, but where do I go? Where would you advise them to start looking for information? Yeah. um, So I would not underestimate how much people are willing to talk to you and give you advice. Um, So first of all, think about a venture capital investor, right? Their job is to get quote unquote deal flow. Um, Their job is to find new companies. And so they actually tend to be very willing to have conversations, even if they're not, you know, and I think you can gain so much more actually by having a conversation that's not a pitch fundraising conversation, by having a conversation that's just, hey, you know, I saw that you've invested in this other company. I really admire what they're doing. I think it has a lot of similarities to what I'm doing. Could I pick your brain on my business idea and see what you think? Um, I think people are actually so much more responsive to just giving advice as opposed to responding to an ask like funding. Um, there's a saying that's like, you know, ask for advice, you'll get money. Ask for money, you'll get advice. Um, oh, that's so good. Yeah. And and I think like so much of, you know, so much of venture, so much of startups and, and frankly, just being an entrepreneur is about the relationships that you build. Um, and so I think as much as you can, you know, reach out to people and ask them for advice, I'd, you'd probably be shocked at how much people are willing to give you that advice. And I also would, would talk to other founders. I think, you know, being a founder can be very, very lonely. It's very hard for other people to understand what it's like if you're not another founder. Um, and so just reaching out to other founders in the space, again, I think that I have found other founders to be very willing to talk to me, to give me advice um, and to support me because at the end of the day, they're also looking for support. And so I would say just, you know, look into your network, see who you can get introductions to, but also don't be afraid to reach out to people on LinkedIn. And, and again, ask for advice. Don't ask for money, just ask for advice and, and see where that goes. Everybody, you are listening to Rachel Blank on Marin Costello Radio, the CEO and founder of Alara Health. We were just talking about community and how important it is to look into your Rolodex and to reach out to folks. You suggested obviously reaching out to people on LinkedIn, which is an invaluable platform, the internet, holy, holy moly. I cannot believe that we have access to the internet. It still blows my mind. It's so spectacular. Where do you find your community? What does your community look like? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think, you know, if I think back through my career, I think one of the biggest pieces that's contributed to my success has been the relationships that I've built over time. Um, You know, I am very much a people person. I'm an extrovert. I love meeting people. I love talking to people and maintaining those relationships has, you know, I've done it because I wanted to, I've done it because I enjoy it, but it actually has paid off so much as I think about running my business, managing my business. Um, You never know, you know, that person who you met three years ago, that three years ago was just a friend, you know, maybe today they have a great um, investor to connect you to, or they can give you advice on a piece of your business that you're running. So I think you just never know um, who in your life is going to end up being able to help help you out and, and vice versa. That's also why I always try to be helpful if I can to respond to ask for advice because you just never know. And it's great to just be as helpful as you can. And hopefully that comes back to you. Um, you know, I also have really, really loved the community I've built around other female founders um, because there are so few of us actually only of venture funding goes to women, which is unbelievable that it is still so low. Um, But I think because there are so few of us, we are just so supportive of each other. And it has just been so amazing to me to see how supportive other female founders have been. Um, You know, for example, I was talking to some investors recently and they said, oh, we heard from this other female founder that you're fantastic. We were so excited to meet you. 
And I didn't ask her to do this. She just randomly had said this about me. Um, and I, I was so beyond touched to hear that she had done that. And so um, for me, seeing how much female founders have supported me and and how much we support each other has just been an incredibly great part of the experience. And, you know, as frustrating as, frustrating as it can be to read how little investment and how little funding um, female founders get, I think it turned it's made us very supportive of each other in this really wonderful way. There is absolutely nothing wrong with being another business person, another female founder's biggest fan and champion. I think that it's something that we can do more of. Um, I think that it is something that is certainly part of my day to day, but my goodness, I can, we can always do more and championing folks, especially folks that you believe in, especially folks that work their butts off and are doing really, really good work in the world. It will always be a good idea to champion them and to support them however you can, whether it's to them directly, whether speaking of their brand, whether it's, you know, connecting them with someone, you know, on social media, like there are so many different ways to support each other. It doesn't also have to just be in dollars, right? Yeah. Like awareness holds value. Yes. Right. Oh, and positivity um, holds value. A hundred percent. I think, you know, there is, again, there are so few of us, that there's so much room for each of us to succeed. So yeah. I just, you know, I feel so supportive of, even if they're not in my industry, you know, for example, I'm so excited to go out and wear your jewelry and tell people where I got it from. Um, and I think the more, you know, it just brings me so much joy to, to support other women and to hear about them supporting me in return. That's awesome. Let's go back to the concept of networking. So yeah. we talked, you talked about mentoring and men- being a mentor and a mentee. I and both, right? Like I have my own mentors that I go to that I ask um, so many questions about both personal and professional. I think that it's important to get guidance in both, in all s- sectors of one's life. But I now in this season of, of my career, I've also become a mentor. And one of the questions that one of my mentees asked me was about networking. And I think that there's such a rigid idea of the word networking and what that looks like. And I think that one thing that I would argue that you and I do really well is just talk to people and Mm -hmm. be kind and ask questions. In a nutshell, that's what networking is. Yes, I 100% agree with that. I think, you know, unfortunately people think about networking, they think about it a very transactionally and very short-term. Like, okay, I'm gonna go to this networking event. I'm gonna find this important person who can do this specific thing for me. And I'm gonna go ask them for this thing. Um, and that's really, I don't think the right way to approach it. I think it's more about how do you think about building relationships? So when I go to a networking event, I just chat with people. I just kind of chat, I meet random people. Um, and I think if you can take it out of this transactional short-term view and more into, you know, your whole life is about building relationships, right? Building relationships in work, building relationships with friends. Every time you go to an event, it's a chance to go meet and build a relationship with somebody. And you have no idea how that relationship is going to turn out. Again, like I said, it might be that two, three years from now, you're able to help each other out with something. But I think if you can just start to build relationships without any expectation behind them um, and just put out positive energy into the world, that energy will return to you. And again, you just, it's so much of life is about relationships and, and relationships that you don't have any expectations from, but tend to, tend to always benefit you in the end. Give to give. And that is in conversation, that is in compliments, that is in, that for me is networking, is showing up as my best self and asking questions and being curious about other folks. Because a networking event is very effective, right? Because there's 
you know, a high density of folks that are there specifically to connect with others, but networking could also be in line at the ladies room. It could be at Starbucks. It could be at the grocery store. It could be at yoga class. It could be walking down the street. It could be literally anywhere. And so the world is an opportunity to network when you think about it, as far as like being conversational and purely coming from a place of, of kindness and wanting to connect with, with other folks. A hundred percent. And I actually think about something my dad used to always tell me, which is a trick that I use now. And he said, you know, when you're at any event or anything, find somebody who's standing by themselves. So it doesn't look like they're talking to you. They're going to be so thankful that you went up to them and introduced yourself and started talking to them. And I think for so many people, you go to these events, it be very scary. Like, how do I get myself into a conversation? How do I start talking? But if you view it less as about you and more about wow, I bet you that person standing by themselves would love to have somebody to talk to right now. Let me go up to them. It just, it makes it so much less scary and it's such an easier way to get into things. So that's kind of the approach I always take is, okay, who looks like they are a little bored and would love somebody to talk to? Like, let me just go start chatting with them. And similarly, people love to talk about themselves, right? So if you go up to someone and you're just pitching them over and over, they're going to get bored. They're going to, they're not really going to remember anything about the interaction aside from like, oh, they just wanted to talk about themselves. But if you flip that, and if you ask the other person questions and you become inquisitive about them, they're going to think it was the best conversation ever because they were able to share about themselves. A hundred percent. Yes. So the way that your company is structured, I imagine you to have a board or some sort of an advisory level of folks to vet the people that are, that are dealing with patients. What does that look like for you? Yes. So one of the keys for our business is our medical advisory board. Um, I mentioned that, you know, one of the issues we have is that there just are so few experts in a lot of these conditions. Um, and so it can be really hard, you know, if you're a patient looking to talk to like the leading expert in PCOS, it's going to be hard for you to get that appointment. Um, so what we've done instead is we've gotten those experts and we've brought them into our medical advisory board so that we can scale their expertise to patients across the country. Um, so for example, Dr. Heather Huddleston um, runs a PCOS clinic at UCSF. She's considered one of the country's experts in PCOS and she sits on our medical advisory board and she helps us, you know, develop programming. She helps train our, um, train our medical providers, she helps review our medical protocols, but it's a way that we think about, okay, we want to have, you know, the most cutting edge scientifically backed, um, care model that we can, how do we do that? We do that by getting the, the preeminent experts in the world in these conditions and getting them to help build out our protocol. So that's how we think about really using tech and using our model to scale expert, incredible care to as many people as possible is in a lot of ways through our medical advisory board. That is so amazing. How frequently do you connect with your, the people on your advisory board? Very frequently. Um, I'm probably speaking to them at least once a month. Um, but also, you know, they will also come up with specific ask for them. So for example, if we have, um, you know, perfect examples, we were considering a new medication um, and whether or not we should be prescribing that to our patients and when it's appropriate. Um, so we called up, you know, a few of our medical advisors and got their opinion along with our medical director who works for us. Um, and again, it's just everything that we're doing. We want to be the ultimate, you know, quality and the ultimate patient care. And so there's very little that our medical advisors are not overseeing. Um, that being said, our practicing providers are incredible as well. All of the doctors on our platform, I have interviewed myself, our medical director has interviewed, um, and they all are just incredible, amazing providers for our patients. 
One thing that I think is really special about the brands that you and I both have is that we are our clients, right? Like you personally went through the steps of going on to Alara, meeting with doctors and other healthcare providers. Like you are, you are a patient and you also are the builder of this, this beast that is helping other patients. So I would love for you to walk through the process of, because healthcare can sometimes be scary for folks, right? Because of, you know, information that they might intuitively know, but not maybe not want to find out formally from a doctor. Um, the unknown can be really scary. Um, and also because women's health in general hasn't necessarily been celebrated in our culture, it could, for some folks, have an element of fear attached to it. So I would love for you to walk through the process and, and really show our listeners how easy it is. Yeah. Um, you know, first, just on what you were just saying about fear, I think that that is something that we really want to reframe. At Alara. So we just think of it as, you know, knowledge is not scary. Knowledge is power. Um, mm-hmm. And if I think about that, you know, in my example, um, in my case, for example, right, I was diagnosed with PCOS around 20. And so in some ways, when I was first diagnosed, that was really scary. I thought to myself, can I ever have children? Will I be infertile? Um, you know, that that was very upsetting, but I almost reframed it as, okay, but how much more powerful is it to know from the time that I'm in my early twenties that I might have issues with fertility down the line, right? That enables me to make better decisions that enables me to research things like egg freezing and how do I want to approach these? I'm in a way where if I just woke up at 32 and all of a sudden discovered this, I have so much less agency and control over it. And so, you know, part of it is with healthcare, I know that the answers can be scary, but let's start reframing it as knowledge is power and knowledge enables you to make better decisions earlier on. And that's so much of what we are treating with our patients is, you know, if we just intervene earlier in their care, we could prevent so many downstream outcomes. You know, women with PCOS are twice as likely to get type 2 diabetes, um, gestational diabetes, stroke, heart disease. They're at increased risk of so many other issues that if we just intervened earlier, we actually could end up preventing a lot of these from ever happening. Um, and so, again, that, that's part of the approach we have with our patients is we want to empower you with the knowledge of what's going on with your body so that you can make better decisions and so that you can be in control of your health care. Um, but the way that it would work for a patient is they first would onboard with a physician. Um, that physician would do a 30 minute visit with them, which if you've been to the doctor, normally you get like two minutes by the time you've dressed and undressed. Um, and so we have 30 minutes for you to, you know, review your full medical history, go to go through every detail you want with them. They'll then run very extensive lab work for you. So we're looking at all of your hormones. We're looking at your inflammation levels. We're looking at your vitamin levels. We're really getting this very well-rounded picture of you, your hormones, your metabolism, how do we treat you effectively. Um, your doctor will also discuss medication options with you. They can prescribe you medication if you need. Um, and then from there, you're also meeting with your registered dietitian. So again, that dietitian also gets access to all of that incredible um, information that your doctor uncovered. Um, and with, with you, they're creating this very, very personalized program. Um, so we don't believe in diets. We don't believe in restriction, but we will help you figure out, you know, what lifestyle changes can you implement to help you build healthier habits that get you to your goals. Um, and if your goal is weight loss, if your goal is fertility, those habits might look a little different, um, but it's about how do we make things sustainable and achievable for you to get you towards your goals. Um, and so that is kind of, you know, how that works with the patient. You then follow up with your doctor and your dietitian via video. You can text with your dietitian at any time. So it's really, really high touch support. 
Um, and then the other thing that we recently rolled out is, is a diagnostic um, program. So we know that a lot of women with conditions, um, because a lot of times you go to the doctor and you get dismissed, you get blown off, um, it can be very hard to actually get a diagnosis for what's going on with you. We know that on average, it takes a woman with PCOS um, three years and multiple doctors to get a diagnosis. And it can take a woman with endometriosis up to 10 years to get a diagnosis. And so we are really want to help move that time down for patients. Um, and so another program that we have is we have a one-time diagnostic offering where we will run all that same very, very extensive lab work for you. And then you'll have a 30 minute visit with the doctor to review all of it. And so it really can help you get to the root of, okay, you know, I know something feels off. I feel tired. I feel like I have brain fog. I feel anxious. Like what could be going on behind the scenes? We'll help you figure that out. I love that. I have so many folks to refer to you. I mean, even just in this conversation, I'm like, oh, that, that, this person and this person, because again, everything is connected. And because there is, I, I feel such a lack of conversation around chronic illnesses, specifically in women, you know, I'll hear from someone, oh, I have endo or, oh, I have PCOS. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. But it's not really fully realized. And then when you're in it like this, when you're having conversations like this, it's like, oh, this is so much more serious and you know the the information that's out there is not necessarily funneled to one area until now yes like this is such a hugely life-changing platform and what's crazy is how many women struggle with this so over one in three women have a chronic condition um, and yet so many times we don't talk about it. We don't treat it. And so, you know, one thing I would just encourage everyone to is it doesn't have to get to a place where things are like debilitating and you can't get out of bed for you to treat it. If you feel like something is off, you know, we, as women know our body, our bodies better than anyone. If you feel like something's off, something probably is off and it's worth looking into that. And things don't have to be, you know, terrible for you to treat it. It could be that things aren't ideal and we want to help get you to that place where things feel really good. Um, and so that's really what we're trying to help fix at Alara is giving women the tools to say, okay, something feels off. Let me do the diagnostic with Alara. Okay. I want to like help fix that. I want to help treat it. All right. I'll do the treatment program. Like we just want to give you options and control over your health. Our superpowers, our intuition, I would argue for sure. Even for women who aren't, who don't claim to be spiritual, I would still argue that like that maternal instinct, that female superpower is our intuition. So um, this is totally a platform that you can go. If you are, you know, a woman, you can go to this platform and get assistance before things get worse. You know, it's amazing. It's amazing. I would love to talk about your schedule. What does your calendar look like? What does your daily schedule? I know it seems like a silly question. And I feel like as founders, you probably, you probably like I do get asked this question all the time, but I am curious how you formulate your day-to-day and your week-to-week. What does that look like for you? Yeah. Um, so for me, mornings are, are like very, very important. I love mornings. Um, so I try to wake up early enough that I can do a workout in the morning. I just find that it sets the tone for the rest of my day. Um, so I'll either do a workout or I'll go for a walk in the morning. Um, and then I, on my calendar, I've really tried to get better about saying no. I think, you know, especially as women, I hate to stereotype, but we can be, we can tend to say yes to a lot of things. And I remember, you know, I had one of my investors talking to me and he said, Rachel, you have to be good about saying no, your calendar, your time is so precious and it's going to impact your whole business. So you need to really look at, you know, are you doing the things that are high priority and are you carving yourself out the time and the space to do everything you need to do strategically as a founder? Um, and so after him and I talked, actually, one thing that I did was I started 
putting blocking the first two hours of my day on my calendar as my focus time. Um, and there are definitely mornings that, you know, I schedule over, for example, a lot of times I'll schedule like team touch bases during that time, but I try not to have any external meetings during those, those first two hours of the day so that I can really focus on my business at the beginning. Uh, so that was kind of a game changer for me was being better about putting blocks on my calendar around, okay, here's what I really need to work. Um, so I try to block out those first two hours of my day, either for internal team meetings or for work. Um, and then frankly, the rest of my day is a lot of meetings. Um, I'm either meeting with my team, I'm meeting, um, you know, with external partners. Um, you know, another thing I actually do a lot that I, I think is really valuable is I'll meet with other, other founders and get people's advice. So, for example, I've been thinking about how do we start accepting insurance for some of our um, for some of our services, and so I reached out to another founder who's been accepting insurance and asked if I could pick his brain on how do you approach that. Um, and so a lot of my days spent, you know, in meetings, either reviewing other people's work, meeting with my team, or having those external meetings. Um, and then I normally spend my evenings on emails. <laughs> how? What do your daily hours look like as far as working? How many hours do you think roughly do you work a day? And this is, this is like a no judgment zone because for yeah. me, sometimes it's 18 and that's a, you know, and that's a slow day. Yeah. So what does that in this season of, of really, really building, you know, um, yeah. they say that, you know, the first five years, most businesses fail in the first five years. So like you and I are both in this, right? Like I closed down my business in California and opened it in Florida just over a year ago. So I'm still in this new chapter of this first season, similarly to you, what does your day, how many hours are you putting in a day? Probably putting in, um, like, yeah, like 12 to 18, depending on the day. Um, you know, if something's like really crazy, I'll maybe like work over the weekend on it. But I think the thing about my job though, is it's so much a part of my life. So it's hard to separate it. Right. It's not necessarily even that I'm, you know, sitting down at my computer for 12 hours a day, but maybe I've sat at my computer for 10 hours and then, you know, at night while I'm watching TV, I'm also like catching up on emails and like looking at my, my sales charts and like kind of doing work on the side. So I think part of the issue is I never really shut it off. I never really stopped thinking about it. I never stopped checking in on it, but I think that's also a sign of, I love what I'm doing. Like to me, it doesn't really feel like I'm, it doesn't feel like I'm working 12, 18 hours a day. It feels like this is just a part of my life um, at this point. And I think it's a testament to, you know, if you love what you do, if you're truly passionate about it, it doesn't feel as much like work, but it's definitely a lot of hours for sure. Same. I totally get it. And people for me, oftentimes are like, do you take nights and weekends? And my, my response to them is if it makes sense, you know, if I'm, if I'm grooving, if I get that, like, you know, stroke of genius or that stroke of creativity, I'm going to go all in, you know, those don't happen all the time. And, uh, you know, if I have an opportunity to work, I'm currently party of one. So I don't imagine that to be my reality for the rest of my life, but I now have the luxury to really devote as many hours as I want to the business. And I think that that's a gift. Yes, a hundred percent. And this isn't to say that I don't carve out time. Like if I have plans with my friends, I'll go to dinner, but if I have no plans, it probably will work as opposed to just sitting and doing nothing. But I think it's also my personality. I have a really, really hard time sitting still. Same, same. And, and, and to your point, I usually have to carve out an activity to relax, like a yoga or like a massage. And then otherwise I'm like, okay, let's, let's get after it. Yes. What is next for Alara? Um, 
So, I mean, there's so much that we want to do next. Um, one really big thing we're thinking about is, you know, we're, we're PCOS today. Um, so we're treating women with PCOS today, but we really want to be this specialty care platform for women's health, where we're managing all chronic care needs for women across a variety of conditions. Um, so really next up for us is thinking about how we launch that next condition. Um, so next we are planning to launch endometriosis treatment and support. Um, you know, it's such a massive pain point for so many women. And kind of to what I was saying earlier, we probably can't provide all of your needs, right? With endometriosis, for example, sometimes you do need surgical intervention, but we can still be that day-to-day base for you where we're helping you figure out, okay, how do we manage your pain and how do we help use things like stress management, like physical therapy, like um, nutrition and diet, like birth control to help manage the day-to-day needs. And then if we do find that you need something more extreme, we'll support you through that. We'll help you make sure that it makes sense for you. Um, but that's really what we're thinking about next is how do we start launching that next condition around endometriosis? That's so awesome. How can we support you and where can we find you? Well, you can find us at alarahealth.com. We also are on TikTok and Instagram at alarahealth. That's A-L-L-A-R-A health. Um, we have a ton of educational content on all of those channels. So we have a ton of blog posts. Um, we have a ton of educational content on TikTok and Instagram. Um, and even if you aren't ready to, you know, sign up for the actual medical program on our website, we have a free community where it's, you know, behind a private login, um, but you can connect with other women who are going through, you know, similar healthcare journeys as you in this private community. You can find that on our website. Um, and I would say, you know, just, just spread the word and, and be there for other women. If you hear somebody who's kind of going through something health-wise, um, you know, support her, but also make sure that she knows that there are resources out there for her. So um, we'd love to just make as many women as possible aware of Alara and aware that they have choices and that they don't just have to suffer in silence. You are the coolest. I'm so grateful. I can't believe it's been an hour already, but thank you so much for the work that you do. Thank you so much for your time. I know that you are so impossibly busy um, and I'm really, really excited to get this message out to everyone because if you are a woman, you probably, you know, can, can use Alara in some capacity. And if you're not, you probably know some women who might, you know, be able to benefit from Alara. So I'm so grateful to you. Thank you so much for, for just being you and for doing the work that you're doing. Well, thank you so much. And thank you so much for, you know, letting me share a story with Alara. Um, it means so much to be able to get the word out there. And I absolutely loved this conversation. It felt like very much like a mind meld of, of two female founders. I loved it. And I'm, and I'm very grateful to now have each other in our circles of female yes. founders and in part of our, you know, community and support group and, and what a beautiful gift. I'm so yes. grateful. Thank you so much. Thank you. You are so welcome. Well, folks, that was just so beautiful. A massive thank you to Rachel for coming on the show. Another big thank you to our hosts at Dash Radio and our producers at Island City Media. If you liked this episode, you can listen to it again and again on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Please be sure to leave a review so we can continue bringing you the people and conversations that you love, just like Rachel and Alara Health. Lastly, if you want to connect with me offline, find me at MarinCostello.com and MarinCostello Radio on Instagram. Have the most beautiful day, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you next week on Marin Costello Radio.